welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We actually have a very special guest this week. Former Governor Scott Walker of Wisconsin is going to join us. He is now the president of Young America's Foundation, and he has a goal for that organization and actually to fight back against the cancel culture and the Marxist movement in our nation and actually to prepare tomorrow's leaders to actually fight going forward for the cause of freedom. I'd like to play an audio in introduction to our guest of the project they are now launching. Let's, let's take a listen. America is under siege. We see it on our campuses and in our culture. The left started its takeover of our colleges and culture over a half century ago. And the new administration is working to take over everything we hold dear. That's why, as the new president of Young America's Foundation, we're launching The Long Game. The Long Game is a bold plan that will invest in our young people for generations to come. It's built on the foundation of a national organization with roots that stretch across the country. An organization that has a proven record of educating young Americans about the ideals of individual liberties, free enterprise, and traditional values. This is about enacting a plan that outlasts me and you. William F. Buckley invested in education. Ronald Reagan fought at Berkeley and I stood up against 100,000 protesters in defense of freedom. We must change not only public policy, but also public sentiment. And it's gonna take more than just a news cycle, even a presidential cycle. It's going to take the long game. Universities are now a place of indoctrination instead of education. Those who create popular culture are trying to cancel our views, and big tech wants to block us. Our plan, starts to change that right now. We're gonna redouble our efforts to restore our colleges and universities. And we're gonna start fighting back in high school and junior high too. Instead of teaching our students to hate America, we will instill in the hearts of young Americans a new sentiment, one based on freedom and the values that made America great in the first place. President Reagan warned us that freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. It has to be fought for, protected, and hand it on to the next generation to do the same. Or someday, we'll be telling our children and our children's children about what it was once like to live in the land of the free. Our bold plan, The Long Game, provides the tools needed to defend freedom today and for generations to come, so they too may have the freedoms that we've enjoyed. Governor Scott Walker, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, you can tell we're pumped up and excited about this long game proposal because the uh, the left has been at this for some time, and uh, in some ways, we as conservatives and Christians have have been asleep at the switch uh, with all the things they've been doing in our in our uh, schools and our colleges, but increasingly, as was mentioned, even in our culture and our communications these days. So that that's why we're we're aggressively pushing the long game. We're happy to be on to talk with with you about that and and to engage your listeners as well. Absolutely. And so, you know, for such a time as this, we believe, Governor, that you're called to be the president of Young America's Foundation, a great organization with a great history, going back to William Buckley and Ronald Reagan and through the years, and has uh, really uh, encouraged and launched young leaders into the public arena. And we believe for such a time as this, have you been called to this position? And I'll tell you, when I watch the video, and I encourage people to do that, to visit the website, again, that's YAF. Org. That's YoungAmericasFoundation.org. And you can see that inspirational video because it really lays out what the plan is going forward. You know, Governor, as uh, after the election of 2020, people really thought that uh, President Trump was going to win in resounding fashion. And for all intents and purposes, here's a president that said uh, did what he said he was going to do. The economy turned around under President Trump. Uh, Americans were earning more money, had more opportunity, uh, minorities, women, things were really clicking along. But, but am I looking at the cover of a Libertas uh, quarterly publication from a few years ago? It shows all the different major uh, magazine publications of disparaging uh, comments about our president. And I mean, this man faced an onslaught 
of the cancel culture within media that tried to take him down. And then with big tech and, of course, with nefarious activity in some of the states with uh, voting systems, they were able to pull it off. And I think a lot of our folks were stunned and are trying to dust themselves off after the defeat and wonder, how do we go forward? Your thoughts? Well, there's no doubt about it. In fact, we, for years in our offices at the Young America's Foundation, we actually have a wall filled with all those different uh, magazine uh, headlines and covers. And you're right, not only against Donald Trump, President Trump, but, but you've seen over the years just this uh, growing bias, certainly in the media, but we've seen it seep into culture and even in the communications we have with, with the, the censorship from big tech, whether it's on uh, Facebook or Twitter or YouTube. Uh, and this is one of those, again, they, they didn't just start this overnight. In many ways, this goes back to the 1960s with Saul Alinsky. And, and I remember decades ago, Bill Bennett, who was serving under Ronald Reagan, warning about if the left takes over education, higher education, communications, and other forms of, of information, uh, they're going to control the agenda. And that's exactly what we see at and it's why, in particular, it's so important to start at the, the youngest ages, not just in college, but, but even in high school and younger, because we knew, particularly in our colleges, I went to college, for example, at the end of the 80s, at the end of Ronald Reagan's time in office, and there was bias there. There were liberal professors, but you could talk and have a discussion and, and, and not feel completely alienated. In the 90s, we started to see political correctness seep in. But really, in the last few years, we've seen just this absolute turnaround where it's outright cancel culture, where you, you can't speak up if you're concerned, you can't speak up if you're a Christian, not only as a student, but as a professor or even teachers in kindergarten through 12th grade. And so that's where, to me, you look at what happened not only in the elections, but, but what's happening even now with poll after poll showing young people embracing socialism, uh, an, an idea that we've seen fail time and time again around the world and yet our young people are buying into it largely because that's all they're hearing. They're not getting the facts. Our plan is to turn that around. It's, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to just be a new cycle. Maybe you're not even just completed by the next presidential cycle, but we have to engage in a long game plan to turn this country around. We're talking with Governor Scott Walker. He is the new president of Young America's Foundation. And, of course, there was a lot of excitement about the governor taking this new role and uh, with a great organization that really encourages young people to get involved uh, and to actually dedicate their lives, no matter what profession they would enter into, to be a difference changer for conservative good. You know, the Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, this is a time for us to restore the foundations. You know, Governor, that's kind of the initiative of what we're doing as an organization. Lots of organizations began to take stock and reevaluate at the end of the year. And some actually were thinking about just closing up and thinking maybe it's over. Well, I'm so glad that Young America's Foundation is not one of those organizations and that you have actually the long game in mind of that it's not just a, a presidential election cycle that you're after, but it's more of a, a cultural change that starts with the next generation. So we want to partner with you as an organization. In fact, this last year during the pandemic, I had young leaders come to us. Uh, I'm a little older in the game. I've been doing it for a while and I'm in my early 60s, so I would be kind of a mentor to these young people. But they came to me. I didn't seek them out. They they sought us out, and uh, from they were from the clergy, from the business community, uh, you know, bas- basically an industry. And they're they're coming forward and they're saying we want to do something. And here's some of the things that we're fighting against. One young minister is fighting against the social justice movement. Actually, it's Marxist doctrine within the church, and that's permeating. I just had another report of an Assemblies of God district superintendent and taking his Wednesday nights to take his congregation through social justice uh, type-ism teaching. And I'm thinking, wait a second, this uh, stems from Marxist doctrine in Central America. And this young uh, pastor I was talking to, he is so well uh, schooled on this, he's ready to give presentations. That's the kind of people, young people, you're looking for to be tomorrow's leaders. Isn't that right? Well, that's right. And it's the pushback, because again, you see, we just did a, a poll we released just uh, yesterday in, in advance here of, of uh, the traditional tax day. Obviously, some of the questions about taxes, but it was about other issues. And we asked, we did not a survey of our students, but of a, a random nationwide survey 
general population, roughly 800 high school students, roughly 800 college-age students. And uh, we've been doing this repeatedly over the past year because with all the schools and campuses closed, we wanted to continue to stay in touch and see what the trends were, what was happening with our young people. And there's both bad news and good news. The bad news is that we've seen uh, even more so in the last year that young people have gravitated towards uh, what they call progressive ideas on culture, on uh, you go down the line on race. I mean, they they put racial re, uh, issues up at the top of the list. You talk about things like climate change and other issues. So they they overwhelmingly are, are in that camp of being uh, on the radical left. That's the bad news. The good news is uh, is that what we found is when we ask questions about some of these issues and then we follow up uh, with facts. Uh, for example, not surprisingly, uh, particularly amongst college age students overwhelming majority said they want the federal government to forgive their student loan debt. But then when we ask as a follow-up, do you believe that someone who did not go to college should pay uh, taxes to pay for uh, that uh, debt reduction or debt removal? Uh, Again, the, the answer changes. Strong support for saying, no, that's not fair. Why I bring that up is what it shows is, particularly with this long game proposal, how important it is uh, to make the case, not just on this issue, but any number of issues. And you mentioned on critical race theory, um, BLM, Black Lives Matter organization. These are not race issues. These are BLM itself is led by three fully acknowledged uh, Marxist sympathizers and organizers. This, to me, is part of a larger strategy. They failed with Marxism in the past uh, because America is not a class-based society. Anyone can achieve whatever they set out to in this country. It doesn't matter what class you were born into. So now they're coming back trying to invoke uh, Marxism based on race and sex and gender. And we got to push back. We, we as conservatives have a better alternative. Our, our message is we love America. Uh, we love it so much. We want not only our family to succeed, we want others' families to succeed. We want to enjoy the freedoms and opportunities that are uniquely available here in these United States. And we want that for everyone. We don't pit one versus the other. We want those successes for everyone. And that's why we're we're working so hard with the long game. Revisionist history, obviously, this last year we saw it uh, in full display. The New York Times released the 1619 Project. And, of course, this was meant to upend the 400th anniversary of the Pilgrim's Landing. They didn't want that to be the narrative in the general public. I have a good pastor friend who's a historian in Plymouth, Mass., and actually he uh, leads a congregation there, but also they do reenactments of the Pilgrims and teach the history of uh, the Pilgrims. And, of course, the Pilgrims didn't own slaves. Neither they, they actually purchased the land that they came. They didn't come to conquer anybody. They came to make friends. So that didn't really fit with the narrative of the left, so what did they do? They released this faulty, uh, fictitious 1619 project, uh, you know, initiative from the New York Times, and began to proliferate it across the country, and, and people glommed onto it. And my good friend up there, uh, Pastor Paul Jaley, of course, uh, they were looking for a big celebration, the 400th anniversary of the Pilgrim's Landing, and unfortunately, because of the pandemic, all events were canceled. Now, there may be something this year, and our good friend Dave Barton, historian, is going to be doing some big events up there, hopefully this year as well. So this is how we began. We're going to be in this battle for a while of this this tug of back and forth of, of who is going to control the narrative. Your thoughts on that? Well, again, this is why it's so critically important to get to young people and get to them sooner. Uh, our organization, uh, yaf.org, is the website if people want more. In fact, if you want to get a copy, I'll mail you a copy of our long game plan absolutely free, yaf.org slash long game. But, but why it's so critically important, we include uh, our efforts to expand to every campus in America, to do more to engage college students uh, to do more to bring speakers and to do more to fight for free speech to make sure that conservative voices can be heard on, on campus. But we know beyond just college, we've got to go you know, not only into high school, but into junior high, uh, these earliest ages where, where young people are just starting to make their minds up. We even have to go and give parents of elementary school students materials and support to counter uh, much of this, whether it's the 1619 Project, whether it's some of this other curriculum changes, 
I, I was on the other day with a, uh, a radio station in Chicago, and they were telling me about a story of a second-grade teacher they exposed who was teaching Marxism to their children in second grade. This is the radical indoctrination of the left. You see it, it it's not... Another prime example, we have a big tip line that that we've just started kicking off. It's going to be a part of our long game plan as well. We get tips on outrageous left-wing professors, radical ideas of campus. But one of them we found earlier this year, uh, right at the start of the year, was from Iowa. It was Iowa State uh, student told us about the local school district, not even the college campus. The local school district partnered with BLM for Black History Month did a BLM week of action, which had nothing to do with black history, everything to do with indoctrination, where they, from kindergarten, actually preschool through 12th grade, imposed this curriculum. And in kindergarten, they were giving these little kids coloring pages with uh, uh, depicting transgender characters on and telling them they could pick whether they wanted to be a boy or a girl or somewhere in between. This is how deep into our schools they're going. That is fundamentally wrong. And again, this is why at every stage of the game, we've got to be fighting this battle or we're going to lose the war uh, for the heart and soul of this republic. My daughter and her husband uh, putting their uh, young son in school in in first grade. And, you know, she was homeschooled uh, and she's thinking, well, I'm not going to be homeschooling. Well, she's homeschooling now, Governor, because... When after the shutdown of the pandemic, the first week they started with LGBTQ uh, style teaching for a first grader. My daughters saw the materials and asked the teacher, what is going on here? Uh, And within those first few weeks, she talked to the principal administrator and they were all on the same page that this was necessary and required uh, curriculum for the, uh, the age level. And that's when my daughter said, enough. If I can't win this here, I'm pulling him out. And so she's homeschooling our, our gra- oldest grandson. So parents are fighting this in real time. Uh, so, But let's talk about one thing where, you know, a lot of our folks are bemoaning because they're saying, look, they have the major media. They're well-funded by the political left, whether it's uh, Simi Valley, Big Tech uh, is uh, funding them. Uh, obviously all the foundational money is coming to them, George Soros's money, and of course they have the seats of government right now as well. They control that. So we really feel outgunned on our side. Your thoughts on that? Well, I, I came of age under Ronald Reagan, so that not only is a big reason, along with my family, my church, my scouts and others, big reason why I'm a, a conservative, but I'm also in large part because of the influence of Reagan and an optimist. And so uh, I look at a couple key things. One, nationwide, yeah, in Washington, it's an absolute mess out there. But I, I look in the states, and overwhelmingly, uh, conservatives are still in charge of our state legislatures across this country. There's a, a significant majority there. There's still uh, a good number of conservative governors. There's some great examples. Uh, I, I tried to be one when I was governor of Wisconsin, but I, I think, for example, someone like Ron DeSantis in Florida, Greg Abbott in Texas are, are, are being great examples, countering some of the nonsense we're seeing out of Washington, D.C. But then the other part I, I stress is, is, again, what we saw in these polls. Uh, and the old you know, phrase, it's always darkest before the dawn. And so we see with young people um, not only the the polling that shows that that they're embracing a lot of these ideas, but we also know that that's largely driven by the fact that that's all they're hearing from the earliest of ages. And so if we can just make a dent with this long if we can start to level the plank, we can start to find new ways to get information out. And, and God bless your daughter uh, for being, and all the others who are homeschooling. God bless the people who are in a position where they can either afford themselves or because of a state like mine uh, through a voucher, they're able to go to a, a private school to find an alternative. But my view is we cannot, even with all those options out there, we still have to fight in every school, whether it's government-run or private. We still have to fight in every scenario because we cannot concede this. For too long, as, as conservatives, I think we look at, at these battles and say, okay, um, you know, we, love, we want to spend time with our family and running our businesses, and we don't get involved in the powers of government and education, higher education, if we want to have this country that we love so much, this historic, uh, monumental, exceptional country, the greatest in the history of the world, we've got to step up and make changes 
Well, we're going to look back, as Reagan said, and, and point and tell our children and our children's children about what it was like to once live in the land of the free, and that's just fundamentally unacceptable. So I'm optimistic enough to know that the reason why the left is pushing cancel culture is because they know our ideas work, they know they can resonate particularly with young minds, and they want to block them from happening, which is precisely why we've got to work so hard uh, with this long game plan and with our partners helping in this effort to turn things around. Because when we do, it'll make a difference. Absolutely. Governor, I think one of the encouraging things is as well, right after the election, I heard from some good folks who have been involved for a long time and saying, that's it, I'm done, voting's not worth anything. I, you know, they, Of course, that kind of reaction was understandable to a point because they were so devastated uh, in the election results uh, of what uh, was being claimed, of course, as the election results. But anyways, that said, um, the good news is they're re-engaging those same people. And I, so I have to kind of be a little bit of a pastor here and, and wait them out a little bit and encourage them along the way. And they are getting uh, re-engaged and, uh, and fired up. And so the good news is the base is starting to revitalize here in Ohio. And I think it's indicative across the country uh, that the conservative cause is going to have a return. And, uh, you know, even though we've had some losses, I mean, Rush Limbaugh was really a national voice. Every every day at noon, you could tune on uh, Rush Limbaugh and kind of get the assessment of things. He was a voice of reason. He was a voice of understanding of what was happening politically in Washington and across the country. We don't have that currently with Rush being gone. Of course, they're doing some programs now with some of the guest hosts on. But there's going to have to be new leaders, young leaders that are coming forward. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, the bottom line is, is interesting. You, you began the show with a reference to Esther. And, you know, when Mordecai came to Esther and they looked like all was, you know, they, they were they were, looked like everything was horrible. They were feeling uh, much like many of the people you referenced, that they were down and out. Uh, they were seeing this uh, horrible outcome likely to happen to the Jewish people. And, uh, and Esther was afraid of taking action, but was told, hey, you're called for a moment such as this. And I think that's an incredible reminder to everyone listening that that whatever frustrations you had from last year's election, uh, you know, God's got a bigger plan. Uh, he's got much smarter than we are. I always look back and say God's got a better plan and, and usually a better sense of humor than I do uh, when looking at uh, situations uh, in the past. You look back and think, okay, this made so much more sense. And I think right now it's just a vivid, vivid reminder uh, that that we're called not to wallow uh, in in our frustration or in our pain or our sorrow, but rather to look forward and say, okay, what is God calling us to do next? And I, I believe He has blessed this country just like He's blessed the state of Israel. Uh, he's blessed America, and we need and we need to stand up and and not just hope somebody else is going to do something about it. We need to be a part of it, and that's why again, if folks want to join us if you're a student listening if you know a student if you got a son or daughter niece or nephew grandson granddaughter or you're just a concerned citizen i'd love to send you a copy of our long game plan yaf.org slash long game we'd love to have you in this fight because it's so important for the future of this country thank you governor we appreciate what you're doing and we'll pray for you as the new president of young america's foundation god bless you my friend thank you glad to be on thank you well, if you missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thanks for listening. God bless. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org.
I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue The following is a previously aired broadcast. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon to this edition of News and Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to be talking about election laws and election reform. And we're going to be talking about what's happening in the state of Georgia. And also, we're going to have breaking news of what's happening here in Ohio to basically safeguard our election system going forward. Many Ohioans felt disenfranchised this last election as they could only sit helplessly and watch other states uh, ramble and, and grapple with some of their elections processes. And in Georgia, in Pennsylvania, Michigan, uh, Arizona, Nevada, and other states, uh, when Ohio we basically it was decided on election night yet we saw the changing of laws in in pennsylvania that were unconstitutional before the election we saw a lot of uh, suspicion that came out of georgia and that's why their legislature has moved to make uh it a, a requirement of photo id requirement in the state of georgia we'll talk about that and some of the blowback that's happening but first i want to go to capitol hill here's an interview uh in a state by Senator Ted Cruz of Texas on H.R. 1. This is the wish list of uh, the Democratic Party of what they want to do with elections, and it's, it's really alarming. Let's listen to Senator Cruz. I just came from the Rules Committee hearing on the Corrupt Politicians Act. This is the most dangerous legislation that's ever been considered by the Rules Committee. It is in the House H.R. 1. It is in the Senate S. 1. That means it's the very first bill that was submitted by Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, the very first bill that was submitted by Chuck Schumer and the Democrats. It is their number one priority. Pause for a minute and reflect that the top priority of the Democrats is not COVID-19. It's not immunizations. It's not getting people back to work. It's not reopening schools and getting millions of kids back in the classroom. It is locking in power for the Democrats for the next hundred years. That is their overarching priority. How does it do this? The Corrupt Politicians Act mandates automatic voter registration whenever anyone has an interaction with the government, whether they have an interaction getting a welfare check, an unemployment check, whether they have a driver's license from the DNV, whether they attend a public university, everyone is registered. This bill is intended to and will register to vote millions of illegal aliens. That is exactly what the Democrats want to do with this bill is register millions of illegal aliens. And the text of the bill acknowledges that, and it says the illegal aliens who are registered to vote, even though it's against the law for them to vote, they face no liability because they're automatically registered to vote. Not only that, this bill prevents the states from addressing that, from correcting the voter rolls, prevents the states from removing dead people from the voter rolls to facilitate voter fraud. Not only that, this bill mandates that criminals be allowed to vote, that all felons, many states have very reasonable laws that prohibit felons from voting. The Democrats repeal every one of those laws. They mandate that murderers, that rapists, that child molesters be allowed to vote. Now, the reason the Democrats do that is they've made the determination that if millions of illegal aliens and millions of criminals are allowed to vote, that those voters are going to vote for Democrats, and they're going to keep 
Democrats in power forever. That is Senator Ted Cruz. And again, that's H.R. 1. That's the elections bill that's currently uh, in the U.S. Senate. And you need to call your senator and actually call uh, Senator Joe Machen down there in West Virginia uh, because he's a swing vote. He's keeping the uh, filibuster intact. And we want to make sure that he receives calls as well. We'll put that information up on our website because we're in a real battle here for our Republic folks and about having fair and equal uh, elections. With me on the phone is Cleta. Mitchell. She's an attorney who's actually working on election uh, elections uh, this go around. In fact, uh, she's mounting a grassroots campaign right now and speaking across the country, working to combat Democrats' reforms and everything from voting laws to redistricting and campaign finance laws. Um, and uh, this is what's needed right now is that we need to mount an opposition to what they're trying to do and actually safeguard the vote in the states of question. And again, they were spelled out where we had uh, long debates of what happened in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, Nevada, Arizona. And we've got to fix this if we're going to have fair and just elections going forward in this representative republic. Uh, Cleta, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much for having me, Chris. Well, thank you for what you're doing. I'm so glad that uh, you're really free and unencumbered. I know that you left your law firm at the uh, beginning of the year, and you felt uh, that it was time to launch uh, out and to do some work like you're doing right now. And so we're gl- so glad that you are, and many are applauding you for it. But it's we're, it's really going to take all of us to get behind this, isn't it? Well, it really is, and you mentioned it at the beginning, and it's really important for anyone who hears this to please pick up the phone, call the U.S. Senate, and speak to your two uh, U.S. Senators. you got to tell them that they need to vote no, vote no on S-1. Because some of the things that it does, it's an 800-page bill, and it incorporates about 47 different pieces of federal legislation into this one massive piece of legislation. Um, and it is it, it prohibits voter identification. It prohibits all that laundry list that Senator Cruz made reference to. But it goes on and on and on. And as he said, it, it, it consolidates power in the Democrats. One of the things it does is it prohibits state legislatures from, redist- from drawing the uh, district lines from members of Congress. Well, why do they want to do that? Because there are more Republican legislatures than there are Democrat legislatures. So they want to take it out of the hands of the elected officials and put it in the hands of what they call, quote, independent, unquote, commissions um, to handle redistricting. And studies that have been done of those redistricting commissions have demonstrated that they're dominated by what? Professors, academics, and, and liberals that they can control. So, you know, it's a pretty scary thing. And the way I, I finally, they, they want, if you look at the things that they're passing in Congress, it, the Equality Act, all these horrible things they're doing that are wildly unpopular with most Americans, they want to pass this bill so that they can win re-election anyway and put the, actually put the elections beyond the reach of the voters in America. That's what they're doing. And our country was founded on a principle of the consent of the governed, and this would completely upend that, that principle. And and it wouldn't matter whether the governed, that being us, the voters, the people, it wouldn't matter if we consent or not. They can cram it down our throats forever. And that's exactly what this is about. A representative republic, not a simple democracy. And it's so important that uh, small states have two senators and large states with much population have two senators. That equality of uh, representation before Congress is what the Founding Fathers gave us. And then representatives in Congress, according to uh, the electoral uh, count in each state. And and there are those who want to abolish the Electoral College, which is a representation of uh rural districts and farm districts and smaller states and, you know, against the big, uh, uh, you know, West Coast or East Coast states. And this is how everyone has a voice in a representative republic. The Democrats, if they get their way, would do away with that. And like you said, they would just run roughshod over the will of the people. And that's why the filibuster is so important to keep that intact. And that's hanging by a thread right now with basically two senators hanging on, Cinema from Arizona and Joe Machen from West 
West Virginia. But let's talk for a minute. I mean, we're talking about a real-time invasion on our southern border. I mean, the news is happening so fast and furious. Uh, you're, you're a good friend of mine uh, who passed on, Phyllis Schlafly. She said this was the number one concern of America was uh, securing our borders. And, you know, President Trump took that up when he ran in 2016. It resonated with the people. He began to build the wall. Uh, he began to put an effective immigration process uh, uh, policy in place. That has all been dispensed with in the opening act of the Biden administration last month alone. Over 136,000 illegal immigrants passed the border into the United States last month alone in the, in the month of March. And they want to get these people in. They want to get them a, a, a voter registration and processed. And they came in illegally. They didn't come in the way that immigrants are to come through uh, the gates of uh, welcome. They came in in the depth of night. Your thoughts? Well, that's a lot to unpack. But let me just say that uh, I talked with some people in Arizona last Thursday who are involved in voter registration efforts in Arizona. And they're busily trying to register legal citizens because one of the things that we know is that nearly half of uh, a regular church-going Americans do not, they're not registered and they don't vote. And so we're trying to get make uh, uh, believers understand that they need to be registered, they need to vote. But these Democrats in, and these left-wing groups in Arizona are meeting buses of illegals, and they're registering illegals as they get off the bus in Arizona. And, of course, that's, that is a violation of federal law. It's a violation of federal law for an, as someone who's not a citizen to register, and it's a violation of federal law for a separate violation. It's a felony for a non-citizen to vote. This bill, H.R. Uh, 1, that's now S. 1 in the Senate, it would, it would say that no, no one could be prosecuted for voting illegally, and you couldn't even turn in um, illegals who are registered in voting. That It would make it impossible to clean the voter rolls and to block illegal from voting. So, I mean, we have, yeah, there's also a provision to make the District of Columbia a state. They want to make Puerto Rico and the District of Columbia state so that that could add four more U.S. senators that they believe will be always Democrats. So, look, they're willing to pack the Supreme Court, rewrite the election laws in the most radical, the, the most radical upheaval in election administration in our nation's history. They want to add states. They, they will stop at nothing, at nothing, to secure their power. And people need to be aware and actively voicing their opposition to this horrendous uh, change in our nation, which is what they're trying to do. Well, that's exactly right. We're talking with Cleta Mitchell. She's an attorney that's working on election uh, laws and uh, process across the country, uh, helping legislators uh, th that are moving forward to actually safeguard their elections in Georgia. Uh, they move forward with reasonable voter ID laws, and yet it received a firestorm from the left, and you can only guess why. It basically shuts down fraud, folks. And, I mean, this is actually enacted in other parts of the country, and we're seeing such hypocrisy here. So we saw the boycotts called by the left when uh, Georgia legislature passed the law on voter ID and some other uh, reforms in their election laws. Delta Airlines that's headquartered there. The Major League Baseball pulled out the uh, uh, mid-summer classic, the uh, All-Star game. Coca-Cola also called uh, spoke against it. And now Republicans are finally figuring it out. It's like, well, if you corporations are going to pick sides in this political debate, then we're going to counter boycott. I got to tell you, Cleta, I've talked to a lot of our folks. They're not going to baseball games this year. They've already started. They're, I, I've got guys who have taken their uh, uh, their season tickets from the Indians and they're saying, hey, you know, that's it. You know, if you're going to do this and, we, you know, my country's more important to me than a ball game, you know, and so we can make choices here and there's going to be really a war, a tug of war and all this, but you know, really thank the Lord for what the legislature in Georgia did. They finally got something, uh, got going and, and, and moved forward, and they're not going to cower because, you know, we either do that or we surrender. I mean, and we just can't do that. What's your thoughts on what is happening in Georgia? Well, I spent, uh, and I still spend some of every day dealing with Georgia. I spent two months there working as part of the president's legal team to bring an election challenge to the results of the 
November election. And I can just tell you that there is one simple fact. There are more illegal votes included in the certified number uh, of the mar- than there is the margin of victory between President Trump and Joe Biden. So there's no doubt in my mind that there should have been, uh, we should, we never got a judge appointed to hear our uh, election contest for a month, a month, in what was supposed to be an expedited proceeding. And it was, a judge wasn't appointed until two days before the electoral college were being certified by the Congress. And by then there was no way that we could actually have a trial and, and, and really uh, move forward. And they threatened uh, to sue for millions of dollars in sanctions and it was really a miscarriage of justice, and we're still trying to deal with the fallout. But I promise you, what the legislature passed in Georgia was not even the most strenuous thing it could have passed. Uh, they extended. Georgia has had photo ID requirements for a number of years if you vote in person. That was litigated, and the court upheld upheld the Georgia voter ID law. All the Supreme, all the legislature did was extend that photo ID requirement to include people who vote by mail, that you have to include with your ballot application a, a copy of your driver's license, or it even allowed you to include uh, a copy of a bank statement with your name and address or a copy of a utility bill with your name and address. So the fact of the matter is, uh, this is not exactly draconian. And Colorado, where they've moved the All-Star game, they've moved the All-Star game to Colorado, Colorado has photo ID requirements. Yes, that's right. <laughs> what hypocrisy. Yeah, that's well, right. I just want to keep saying, read the bill, boys. Read the bill. None of them have read it. If they had read it, they would know that it doesn't. it's not draconian. 70% of Americans support photo ID, including 70% of African Americans. That's right. Across the board, people support photo ID for voting. They do. Someone someone pointed out that if you want to go pick up tickets for Major League Baseball games at the Will Cole window, what do you have to show? A photo ID. If you want to get on Delta Airlines, what do you have to show? A photo ID. So explain to me why you can't show a photo ID for voting by mail so that at least the election officials will know when an absentee ballot application comes in, it's for a real person who's registered, and they can confirm that. We had so many instances in Georgia after the election, when we were pulling together that election contest, we had so many people who said when they got to their polling place, they were told, oh, Mrs. Smith, we show that you've already voted. We had that happen over and over. And you know why? Because anybody, you don't have photo ID, anybody can vote in anybody else's name, even yours. And there's nothing you can do about it. Well, that's so. a, that's exactly right, and that happened in Pennsylvania. I have a friend, uh, my excuse me, my son, who's uh, an Iraq War veteran, and he keeps in contact with his Army buddies, and he talked to those in Pennsylvania, and they said, you know, we all went into the polls and we're told we already voted and that we would have to vote uh, provisionally because somebody had already cast a vote in our name. Right. So this happened right. in Pennsylvania widespread, and so we're trying to get the numbers on all this, and it, it was uh, the president was at President Trump, that is, was at a disadvantage with his legal teams not being able to cover. You know, back in 2000, it was one state in question, basically, and one county, Dade County in Florida. Uh, that's where the battle was. This time it was spread out across the country and there was widespread voter fraud, in my opinion. And uh, I think there's a lot of documentation to back that up. And a lot of people have seen and heard the eyewitness reports, the videotapes. Uh, you know, the, the, all the de- evidence that's been presented, but most of the courts would not take these cases and would not hear right. the evidence. Cleta, that's where right. are we at with all that? Well, you know, I think what where we are with all of those things is that uh, I know of various projects where people are attempting to document what happened in specific states. There's still litigation ongoing in some states. But mostly we're just trying to document, looking at the machinery. There's a, you know, auditing the, the equipment, getting to the bottom of who owns the equipment and who uh, had the opportunity to either hack or manipulate the tabulating machine uh, component of the equipment. So I think there is a lot of interest and concern about documenting what happened in 2020. 
And I think that's so important because we can't let the false narrative of the left, and and I include this broad sweep of the left, the media, the Democrats, all the left-wing groups, um, Hollywood, the uh, academia, uh, that that say, oh, there was nothing wrong with the 2020 election. Well, I am here to tell you, yes, there was plenty wrong with the 2020 election. I was in Georgia. I'll just give you this one fact. This is a fact. The margin of victory between President Trump and Joe Biden is 11,779 votes. That's the certified number. Now, mind you, that's the third certified number, and it changed every time. But in just one category, we identified over 30 categories of illegal votes that we could identify from government records, publicly available records, and experts going through the records and signing under penalty of perjury a, uh, an expert report regarding uh, irregularities and illegality. And just in one area of law, Georgia law requires that you have to be registered at a residential address. You cannot vote if you are registered at an address other than your your permanent residence. And we have 18,325 votes that are cast by individuals who live in a, whose registration is at a P.O. box, at a vacant lot, or at a commercial address. And that is the fact. And that's enough right there to have required a new election, which is the remedy under Georgia law. But we never could get it in front of a court. And we have many, many more uh, examples like that. So we want to get to the bottom of it, document it, because history is entitled to know what really happened. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue we're talking with Cleta Mitchell. She's an attorney. She's working on election reform across the country. Cleta, you'll be working in other states as time goes on, and also with the redistricting, once the census uh, numbers come out, uh, you'll be working with state legislatures or be uh, at access to be able to help them if they have questions. Is that correct? That's correct. Well, how can they contact you? How can folks contact you, or at least follow you, uh, in the work that you're doing? Well, I'm not very good about social media. I got so angry about what they did to the, what Twitter did to the president, Facebook, and all of this. So I haven't been so good about that. But I am on Twitter uh, occasionally at Cleta uh, Mitchell, and then uh, I'm also involved with uh, the, the uh, Conservative Partnership Institute, which is an organization founded by uh, Jim Dement and Mark Meadows has now joined uh, the Conservative Partnership Institute. 
And I'm also working with Freedom Works on citizen engagement in election integrity. And there's going to be a website that that Freedom Works is going is going to be going live next week. So check freedomworks.org next in the next week uh, because we're uh, signing people up who want to become engaged in the whole process of uh, protecting the integrity of our elections. And I wanted to share with you that we are moving forward here in Ohio. We have a legislature uh, that is going to move forward on a uh, provision that after six months in a in a local um, election, so for instance in a county where a county prosecutor will not pursue voter fraud charges, the new language would defer after uh, three or six months to the attorney general to pursue those voter fraud charges. Some of what we've been landlocked is if there's a partisan prosecutor in an urban district where voter fraud has been known it just sits there because it's up to the home rule of the prosecutor pursuing it now this new legislation will allow for the state attorney general to pursue those charges that's going to be new here in ohio well that's great i mean one of the biggest problems that i found that i saw in 2020 is uh in addition to some of the election substantive election issues such as the one i mentioned that you you have to provide in Georgia voter ID, a photo ID to vote in person, but not if you vote uh, by mail. But also that it was so frustrating not to be able to get a judge appointed, to be able to hear our case. So the actual enforcement of the law is really important. So I'm glad that uh, Ohio is addressing that. Absolutely. Cleta, thank you so much for being my guest today. We will have you back because there's lots I'd of work like to, to do. Back. God bless you. Thank you. Again, Cleta Mitchell, and she'll be working with Freedom Works, and we're going to go to their website uh, as they're going to launch a whole new website on this election form. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.